Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Welcome back. It's 1137. Let's go right to the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline and talk to Mr. Felder, who's standing by. What's up, Michael? How are you? Fantastic, man. How you guys doing? Man, we're great. Sunshiny day. Got a great slate of football. Razorbacks are back on the field this weekend, taking on Auburn, and we are feeling pretty good off the bye week. Of course, Tigers are off a bye week as well. Do you share our optimism on the Plains? Arkansas is trying to break a six-game losing streak to Auburn. Yeah, I mean, this is if you can't beat them now, when can you beat them? I mean, <laughs> come on. That's true. Go get them. Uh, do you guys have an update on KJ? He's fine, as far as we know. I haven't heard anything about it. He played well last time. Okay, good, good, good. He looked great yeah, against BYU. Good. It was very cagey for a little while. Okay. Well, he looked good against BYU for sure, so we feel good about him. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what I'm, I'm just – as long as nothing else happens, we're good to go, so go out there and get that done. We were just talking about Syracuse Notre Dame. Let me go to your, uh, your league, the ACC here. And Syracuse hosting. Syracuse coming off a tough loss, low-scoring affair against Clemson. Notre Dame's defense playing well, too. Should be, a, I would think, a hard-fought, low-scoring game. But Syracuse is less than a field goal favorite at home? I don't understand that one. I, I, I have, man, what, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I want you to tell me that Syracuse is probably going to win by a field goal or more, but maybe you don't feel that way. I Syracuse is a weird team. They're, they're, they can't. Score consistently, and that's the problem. That's the part. And, and then also, there's so Neither two things for me when I look at this game. <laughs> the two things that I look at when I look at this game. Thing number one, and looks like I know it was thing one, thing two. I've been watching uh, Cat and Apple with my kids. <laughs> so, but, I, but I look at this. They cannot score. Syracuse cannot score. So unless they're going to get, obviously we saw that. What was it? A scoop and score against Clemson that helped them get to that that twenty-one to ten lead. Unless they're going to get that against the Notre Dame team, that plays remarkably conservative. It's not going to give you those things. I don't know how they score, and that's the problem. That was the thing I went into last week with was I know their defense is good. I think they have a quality defense, but they cannot score. And after they got to 21, guess what they didn't do for the rest of the game? They did not score. And then when you throw on Notre Dame, the biggest thing for me with Notre Dame, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, and listen, I'm going to say this because I don't need Georgia fans bothering me. Michael Mayer is arguably. Now, if people know what arguably means, it means that it can be argued. So Brock Bowers could also be the best tight end. But I'm saying he's arguably the best tight end in college football. At least he's, he is the best tight end in the NFL draft this year. And we've seen multiple teams not cover him. UNC did not cover this guy. I don't think Marshall covered him. I don't think – like, Stanford's the only team that said, we're not going to let this guy beat us. Mm-hmm. But if Syracuse decides we're not going to let Michael Mayer beat us, I also don't know how Notre Dame scores. So this is going to be I, – I don't – this is – this game is terrifying. Honestly, if I was you, keep your money in your pockets, man. Well, the only money I won last week was on the under on the <laughs> Syracuse-Clemson game. That was a 50-point <laughs> line. This one's 48. I feel pretty good about yeah. 48 here, too. Yeah, yeah I do, too. Like, again, for all the things that we've mentioned, right, we're looking at two teams that – Notre Dame doesn't even average 30 points a game. Like, they, like neither of these teams are – they're not scoring machines. They're mm-hmm. not built to score. We're looking at two – and Syracuse is 34 points, 34 points per game. But let's let's be real. We're looking at them beating Connecticut 48 or whatever and Wagner 59. That's, mm-hmm. that's not real number. No. So, yeah, 48 feels completely inflated. Tennessee feels like, where we feel like Tennessee's probably due for a letdown. They're playing a Kentucky team that is uh, solid but not sexy. 
Tennessee is just putting. I mean, I, I honestly thought they'd come out flat last week, Michael, and they come out and yeah. they. And again, they're playing a lesser than. But I mean, UT Martin for their level is pretty good. They come out and score seventy almost. I'm like, I yeah. just think are they just going to put up a ton of points every week? I guess we'll see in the Georgia game. I do worry about the look ahead factor here a little bit for Tennessee. That's a, well, their plan is to put up sixty a game, fifty a game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about stopping them. And I, Kentucky is a team that is built to be stoppers. It's going to be very interesting to see how they play. Uh, the thing with me with Kentucky, you said that, that they're a good team that's not sexy. Like they're a team that, like, you know what? You turn the lights off. You, you get things going. They know what they're doing, and that's what that's what Kentucky <laughs> is to me. Like they, they listen. Listen. That's all. That's the reality. So I just when I look at Kentucky, I look at a team that, especially with a healthy Levis, and I've got to do a mock draft for Bleacher Report this afternoon, and I don't know where to put him. Because somebody's going to need a quarterback, and he's going to be the guy that somebody's going to have to get. But I also don't know what offense you run, what offense looks like when you run it with him, because he can do some things really great. And then most of the time, he's going to hand it off. So this is going to be really interesting. I am in this football game. I think I don't think Tennessee is looking ahead. I think Tennessee is so terrified, and I'm sure that there are some Arkansas fans that can relate to this. I know there are South Carolina fans that relate to it. I know there are NC State fans that relate to it. They're so terrified that the bottom's going to fall out that everything is based on just week to week to week and hoping nothing bad happens to them. And I think that's the reality for them. So I don't expect a letdown. I think they give you the full force of what they can do. I also think that they're going to introduce more wrinkles, and I'm very curious to see what those wrinkles look like. Michael just called Kentucky an ugly guy who's good in bed. I love it. I love what you did there, Michael. That was very impressive. Okay, go ahead, Wes. Yeah, they better be ready for Kentucky. Listen to this stat. Well, first of all, Tennessee has scored 30 points or more in 10 straight games. That's their longest streak in program history. Kentucky has allowed 24 or fewer points in 11 straight games. That's the longest streak in FBS. So this is offense yeah. versus defense. And this Kentucky defense is legit. I think it's got Tennessee's attention. Tennessee's offense is legit, too. Yeah. Yeah. Good, I mean. offense versus good, good offense versus good defense. Good offense almost yeah, you, always wins. It's literally, you have my attention. The, the, Tennessee, if, I'll say this. If, Tennessee, if Kentucky doesn't have Tennessee's attention, mm-hmm. that's a Tennessee problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think all they know how to do is score points, though. So I think they'll score points. We'll see. I'm buying Tennessee. I yeah. think they're legit. Okay. Oh, yeah, I no, think I they're, they're legit. Oh, there's there's no question. This is a good spot for Kentucky to beat them, though. I mean, at make least it play, interesting, make at it least. interesting. Yeah. I agree. I don't think there's any way they can beat them. If they play them ten times, let's, they can't let's, beat them. Let's, let's, do this. let's do it this way. Because we, we did this a couple times. We've done it with Alabama. We've done it with, with, when we talked about Ohio State for South Lake. I've been doing this for almost a decade. Like, here's the thing. If this game plays into the 40s, Tennessee wins, right? No doubt. Yes. But if it's in the 20s, Mm. Now we're looking at a Kentucky way. Mm. I, that's the way that I'm looking at this. Who gets to impose their will? Okay. I'd say that if Tennessee doesn't score 30, they can't win. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. But I think they score 40. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, the Pac-12 is on very thin ice, Michael. And, I mean, I think yeah. they've got some really intriguing teams. They've got three of them. I mean, UCLA – you got USC, obviously, and USC's got a chance to s- smash Arizona this weekend. And then, obviously, Oregon's hanging out there, and they have a mismatch, I think, as well. Hopefully, Marshawn's there again, and they interview him again and ask him about the crowd. But what do you think? I mean, any of those teams quality enough to to do what they need to do, run the table the rest of the way, and get there? And if so, can they do anything if they get to the playoff? 
I think every team that Oregon beats is in trouble because everyone's going to go back to well, listen, the team that the <laughs> team that beat you also lost forty nine to three. Yeah. So that's a huge problem for them. Even though they are much better and they're tough, they're really tough. I, I listen. I would say I honestly think, and I, just if I'm looking at it just from a Pac twelve standpoint, not from a playoff standpoint, we're dealing with. I think there are six teams that can still that are still in play to win the league. Whether it's Oregon State, who's a team that. They've got to be kicking themselves for losing the USC, but then there's also the USC team that did beat them. Then you have UCLA, and UCLA still has everything that they want on their racket. They just have to win out so they can get to that rematch against Oregon. Oregon, obviously, is there because their only loss is out of conference. And then you throw in Utah, and Utah's got one conference loss against a UCLA team that I think they're embarrassed by. They, UC, I think Utah's embarrassed by losing to teams more than anybody else because they should have beat Florida, mm-hmm. and they should have beat UCLA, or they felt like they didn't. Not, not should have. They, they got their behinds whooped by UCLA. But they didn't realize that another team in the Pac-12 could be junkyard dogs, could be rough and tumble, and UCLA did that to them. And then obviously UCLA was an order. Like it's, it's going to be really interesting. I think it's for me, out of all the conferences, this is the one that I'm most intrigued by because I do think that all those teams are quality football teams. Uh, it's not the same as the ACC Coastal, as in like who's going to walk backwards, fall down the stairs, and end up in Charlotte, right? It's not like the Big Ten West, which is the same thing, right? Like somebody somebody has to win the Big Ten West, but none of those teams are any good. At least I think that we've got some good teams in the Pac-12, and obviously getting rid of divisions, we're going to get the best two teams. In yeah. There. And then to go to the Big Twelve, man, I don't. Ugh. The only question what, about the Big the question about the Big Twelve is on a stage can TCU match up? We talked to Tim Randall this week. He was in town for the Little Rock Touchdown Club. He loves TCU. He just called their game the other night with Kansas State. He feels like they absolutely have the goods to be a legitimate playoff team. Do you buy them? I do. I think they have wide receiver one. And I've taken some flack for that because people still like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, by the way, do you know that he's been in the game the last couple games, but he just hasn't done anything? Hmm. And then um, What about Jordan Addison? there are people also – Jordan Addison is really good. I think he's the second best one. And then remember remember when Kayshawn Boutte was something? Yeah. And now it's just kind of kind of petered out. So I think Quentin Johnston does give them, and then you throw those pieces around him and Max Duggan. We've watched this guy play yeah. what, three, four years, and he's finally stepping up. I, I think that the guys that have been the most impressive this year – it's not like getting what we expect from C.J. Stroud or getting what we expect from Bryce Young. Oh, by the way, that that game against Tennessee, Bryce Young was really, really good. He did, they didn't lose because of him. Right. They lost because of a lot of other things, specifically their defense, which that's got to make Nick Saban upset. But for the guys who, to me, I love seeing guys make money. And the guys, that I, the quarterbacks that I've seen make money, Hendon Hooker, he's going to get picked in the first round. You throw, And then you throw in um, – now I just forgot who I was talking about. Dang it! I don't know if if you make know. if you make plays versus Alabama's defense, you single handedly. If you yeah. lose the rest of your games, you've moved your stock up at the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And Hooker did that. Yeah. yeah, stock goes up. Oh, Cam Rising, Cam Rising, Cam Rising, stock up. And then Hooker, stock up. All these we're seeing these guys start to bubble up to the surface where they're like, "Hey, I've put in the work." Dorian Thompson Robinson as well from UCLA, stock up. So it's been very cool to watch all these things kind of take place. And and, and Max Duggan, that's what I was getting to. Max Duggan has done the same thing. He's mm-hmm. stocked up because he's a guy that we've seen flashes, but now he's starting to put it together consistently. Yeah. 
and they have one of the most explosive offenses in all of college football. Is, is this a fair question? Is the Pac-12 on the verge of becoming a non-Power 5 and we're going down to the Power 4? Well, if, they, if a couple uh, more go to the Big Ten, yeah. <laughs> I, it's a, and, I, and I say that because I'm intrigued by their football. I love watching Pac-12 games or whatever. I love the fact that there's four of them that can still win it and all that kind of stuff. I just don't think they're that good. I mean, and we've always thought that a little bit along the way. But, mm-hmm. man, I just think take sure. the three best and put them against even the three Big 12. I think the Big 12 might go 3-0. and uh, Penix from Washington threw for 516, I think, against Arizona. Yeah. Will USC throw for more or less? Well, you could throw for 380 against Arizona. Will, will, will USC throw for more or less than Washington did against them this Depends weekend? Depends on if they smush them too bad early. They'll throw for less, okay. Um, especially because the game they're going to run the football a little bit more, yeah. and uh, as as you reference, uh, the, the game will probably won't be that close. And Arizona's <laughs> in an interesting spot as well because yeah. they've kind of they've had a few games where they they've shown up, they yes. haven't been able to close the door, but they've at least gotten in the house. They just left the door open and somebody came in behind. So they, just, yeah, their quarterback threw for four hundred and fifty or something in that game where they lost. They lost a there was like a thousand yards passing in that game. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm, I, I, I do think that there are good teams in the Pac-12. I don't think that USC is one of them. Hmm. I think USC is. I think USC is defensively. I think they are a massive disappointment. And if you go back in USC history, like I'm not, I'm not even just talking like recent history, like history in general. If like the 1800s not good at defense. They won't. Were they around in the 1800s? I don't know. I'm just talking. I think they're getting better. I, I think I think the jury's still out of them, Michael. I'm not. I'm not. They got too many talented guys on that side not to get better. But there's a lot of new pieces, right? They're still. I mean, I, I hate to say they're still figuring it out, but they're halfway through. But they have played better at times defensively, right? After the first of the year, they don't. They don't stop anybody. They live off incompletions and turnovers. Yeah, and those are other teams' mistakes for yeah. the most part, and that's the big problem for me is that you can't live off other people's mistakes because, yeah. and as we saw in the game against Utah, Utah's not a team that makes a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. So when you play a team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, the next <laughs> thing that happens is, uh-oh, yeah. what are we going to do? Well, you have you to, don't have an answer. You have and to try to win a shootout or and not give up a two-point conversion, which unfortunately for them they didn't. So yeah. anyway. Well, that's the big thing that I've been looking at. Like I've been, I've been doing this now. I've been doing this for a long time. And the big thing that I've been looking at is, look at how many, look at the third downs that teams play. And this is something you know. Who made, you know who played the most third downs a year ago? I don't. Georgia. Hmm. Because Georgia makes, makes you sense. earn it. Clemson right now, they are, they call it the bottom 10, 15, or whatever it is of teams that play third downs or have third down attempts against them. But the reality is, it's a good thing to have a lot of third downs attempted against you because it means that you win first down, you win second down, then you get to third down. Now, how you convert on or how you allow conversions on third down is important, mm-hmm. but the reality of it is, if you're playing a lot of third down on defense, mm-hmm. that means that you're stopping people, and then you can get off the field. And USC isn't a team that's really stopping. That's a good point. Yeah, right. that's a good analytics too. In the NFL, the team that plays the least third downs are always the best offenses. Interesting. Obviously, uh, Michael, right. we got that, that, Go. you know what that team was? That was Oklahoma. Remember Baker Mayfield's Oklahoma team? Yes. They played one of the. They played the lowest amount of third downs in, in, in like almost in all of college football. They played the lowest amount of third downs going into that game against Georgia. And I was like, oh, I think they can win this game because they don't play third downs. They don't care about third downs. Their third down conversion percentage was low, but they didn't play that many third downs. Why? Hmm. Because on first down they get another first down, and then on second <laughs> down they get another first down, and then right. on second down they get another first down. Right. And that's the huge difference. And 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 
if you're playing third downs, which is something that I think Clemson does a really good job of. Obviously, Georgia did a great job of it a season ago, and we're starting to see it all kind of come, come to fruition now. That's the part where USC still hasn't got over the hump. Michael, we appreciate it. we got to run, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Looking forward to it. You guys take it easy. Good luck this weekend. Hey, thank you. Michael Felder on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline.